Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Well, hello there. This is Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, and you are listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. And this is a roving, traveling show today. I'm coming to you live from New Orleans, Louisiana. And in today's show, we'll explore the world of making cells and what transformational leaders are doing in this very space. And I have a very special guest today. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Before we go there, just a reminder, during the commercial break, go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com, where you can learn more about me and my business offerings. And of course, I love the dialogue that I have with so many of you out there, all my listeners. And you can do that by emailing me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can also go to this platform on Voice America under the Empowerment Channel. You'll find me there. And I'm on social media. That's LinkedIn and Facebook. So to the listening audience out there, this is a live show. You've got a question, a comment, a concern, whatever it might be. Please dial in and be part of this conversation today. Now, today's show is called Transformational Sales Leadership. What is it? And I, I labeled it that way because, really, what is it? What does it mean? This this diverts uh, from some of my other topics. And so we have a very special guest today. His name is Bill Walton. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Bill. He is the founder of ProDirect LLC and chief sales officer of Bill Walton Sales Training. It's a greater New York-based author- authority on client acquisitions. Bill has more than 25 years of experience in helping sales organizations add value to customers in a way that's unblurring the lines of differentiation among their fiercest competitors. He is a sought-after keynote speaker on value creation and messaging and is most often hired by firms looking for meaningful access to key stakeholders. And everyone out there, he is an Amazon best-selling author and he received the Quilly Award from the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors. So this guy, he kind of has an idea of what he's talking about. So I'm looking forward to this. Also, he's done some guest appearances on CNN. He's a contributor to HR Executive Magazine and I'm going to stop there, Bill. So Bill, without further ado, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Thank you so very much. I'm so glad to be with your audience today. I'm looking forward to this con- conversation, and right out of the out of the gates, let's get right to it. Because you know, when someone says they're in sales, we often get a perception of what that means. We conjure up ideas: is that person slick willy or whatever? So I want to get right to it and say, what does it take to be a respected salesperson? And I'm not talking right now about leadership, because we're going to get to get to that in a moment. But what does it mean to really be a respected salesperson? Yeah, well, you know, that's a great question and a great, great place to start. I think today more and more folks are coming around to the aspect that, you know, sales is a strategic uh, role and a viable career choice for people, uh, both coming out of school and certainly uh, at senior levels, because the role has gotten so much more strategic. If you had to think about the last 40 years of sales and selling, you know, back in the 70s, it was all about selling what you sold and negotiating hard but smoothing things over at the three martini lunch and i think everyone was wearing bell bottoms at the time <laughs> and stripes <Right>? sure. <laughs> yeah. and then in the 80s the 80s got very formulaic I, I think uh 
in my earlier career, there was an acronym for every sales process. It was very robotic. It was say this now, say this then, maybe ask a question, and then earn the right to ask for the order. But the, the beauty of the profession, I think, over the 90s and probably into the 2000s is, is that it got a lot more consultative and a little bit more interesting in that we started asking questions and companies started to think, well, gosh, what do our customers really want? Maybe we should listen to that and, hey, let's get marketing and finance involved so that you know, sales is not out on, it, on its own island. So I think today the better salespeople are working in sales organizations that are trying to add value to their consuming public. The good, the service, whether it be a retailer, think about what Amazon is doing, what Walmart's trying to do, any other service, any cloud-based service, any software you use for your business today or your personal life, there's some element of service in, in, in some respects. So I think to answer the question specifically, the best salespeople today have a high joy of helping because they don't have to lean on what they're selling. It's not about the widget anymore. And their product or service, they're using it as a vehicle, right? That the mindset of the best salespeople are seeing it take a look at sales training for what I do, for, for example. My, my whole aspiration is to fix companies. I want to improve companies, make them better, help them achieve, exceed. And I just happen to do it through sales training. I, I enjoy it. I love cheap teaching. I feel I can will anyone to learn anything. So, you know, you are and I are in that learning profession to try to help individuals and organizations grow. And I think that's the aspiration of a lot of these best salespeople. They're, they've got that joy of helping and they're, they're, whatever they're selling is really a vehicle to some, some other higher mind. It seems like it's really accelerated. I, I like I like what, how you made me visualize it from the 70s, from the bell bottoms to here we are now, current state where we're thinking about adding value. And I like your your concept about helping people to grow. And that's that's all about what leadership is. So let's go into that next, my other question. And when we think about how would you characterize sales leadership as something different and distinct from just general leadership? Yeah, and, and you know, there's interesting. There's some blurred lines there as well as some distinct lines. I remember 20 years ago when I was learning how to be an executive coach. I was in a week-long coaching program with one of my employers, studying under two very prominent PhDs. I'm three hours into the program. We're at our first break, and I go up to our instructors and say, "Why aren't we doing this for sales organizations? Why is this just limited to a general population?" in terms of providing feedback and setting the right environment and having direct conversations, using questioning, just like you do with customers. Why, why aren't we bringing questioning into the, into the interaction of sales leadership? So uh, some of the characterizations, I would think that um, there is a, a direct link. There's a focus on an outcome in sales, right? It's all about the behavior and the growth of the salesperson, but there's the added let's just say, accountability of a number and or a client relationship. So I think there's an immediacy, there's a sense of urgency, and that client or customer implication. So that would mm. be one. The other is is that a sales leader who's delivering this leadership is managing a team. So they've got multiple folks, and they might be in different locations, or they might be remote, or they might be in the same office. So the typical sales leader, just like how you would slice up you know, a great loaf of bread, right? A slice at a time and everyone gets an equal piece. I think sales managers are, are realizing they don't have a lot of time and that equal piece strategy is not working. So I think it's really important to think about how you apply your your knowledge and what you know and what you know of your people, not necessarily evenly, but who needs what and when. And I think that could actually be a little bit more difficult than general leadership if you're working in a corporate headquarters environment. So there's some internal as well as external 
motivations, perhaps even some pressures in there. One of the, the crux of leadership is all about influence. And talk a little bit about that. How does the power of influence mix into all of this when we think about sales leadership? funny you mention it the relationship of sales leadership to the to the individual producer if you will it's all about influence because you're not you're not making the sale with your people you know as a former sales leader myself you know the influence was hey how the influence was how can i get you to see my vision for how to perform in a certain way to achieve the results that you need to achieve to be successful and also serve your customer well. So, so much of it is about storytelling. So much of it is about going on calls and observing people and asking their opinion. Hey, if that could have gone better, but maybe what two things we could have added, maybe two things we could have subtracted. So the influence piece is all about collaboration, but it's also about contracting too, right? Going into this mm. call, what piece are you going to take? Well, what, what am I going to handle? Or going into your goals for the year, so much of an influence slash sales manage, self, self-management mindset comes in because the data is showing that the best sales leaders and their influence, to your point, is not about waiting for the report card at the end of the period. It's, hey, what are you willing to commit to? Mm-hmm. Tell me about this quarter. Tell me about this year. I'm not going to just give you a blanket 20% because maybe it should be 35%. Maybe it should be 11 what are you willing to commit to? And the data is showing that that's a greater, uh, a better metric and indicator of, of performance. And the numbers are coming in given that level of self-accountability and management and influence. So those are kind of the ways that sales leadership is using influence in addition to be a good collaborator and, 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 a, and a thinking partner, which I think the best sales leaders are. Mm. I love that last phrase there, the thinking partner. You know, one of my la- one of my shows in the past, we were talking about just the power. And in fact, this comes up in every show. And it's the power of communication. And what you started out, you were talking about the storytelling piece. That's a huge component. And not everyone has that gift or that ability to do that. So you're talking about storytelling. That's one aspect. Then you've got this whole other thing about collaboration, contracting, and and all that all that good stuff. And and uh, it means a lot. You know, when I was doing my when I was you know doing leadership and, and looking at what are the top ten things. So, for example, if we step back and look at leaders globally, and there's some re- research done by the Human Capital Institute and Development Dimension Institute, it's called DDI, and they were looking at the top ten global leadership competencies. And in that top ten, it's called unbridled leadership unbridled it's got to be you really have to be in that space and you know within that there's energy embedded in that unbridled leadership is energy which is interesting because that's what my show's about that's what I talk about and so when you think about your thoughts how does energy factor in to what it means to be a really solid sales leader Another great question. So uh, let me answer from two perspectives, three perspectives, being a sales leader, also being under the tutelage of some amazing sales leaders in my career, which I think I'm a really lucky individual to be able to have that, and also talk about the concept of energy. Let's talk about energy first. Great book I read over 10 years ago uh, by the folks who ran a company called The Corporate Athlete. It was a book called The Power of Full Engagement, Managing Your Energy not your time is the key to personal success and renewal. So how energy fits into sales and sales leadership is that the customer is looking to us. Your salesperson is looking to you. You have to embody energy, vitality, insights, clarity of thought, right? We can't always say Mm -hmm. that the clients and the customers we call on don't have their own 
needs, pressures, challenge, challenges, pebbles in their shoe, and they always are, are, are the uh, epitome of the optimist. Oftentimes, it's just the opposite, right? So, so we feed off of that. As you know, energy as it relates to sales leadership is um, you have to bring that consistency of that energy and that presence and that positivity about, hey, we can fix this problem. We can, we can make this right. You can achieve that goal. So on, on that level, it's really important. Uh, on the other energy is I think a lot of sales leaders, they absorb the energy of their people. Sometimes could be negative, could be mm-hmm. overthinking, could be, hey, some p- salespeople are too cerebral, some not enough. So I think it's important how you apply that energy and kind of you have to really play chess on three levels. I remember there was some checker game back in the day. It was like this Lexan plastic thing where you're playing on three levels, really kind of yes. a creative <laughs> toy. I, from, from And so I, I think you know that as a visual, as a sales leader, I'm trying to process what this person is saying to me, the, the salesperson, uh-huh. what's actually really going on, and then how does this bump up against our competency model and or where this person is in this particular opportunity. And that goes back to your earlier question about what, you know, what's different about sales leadership. It's that there's a sense of urgency um, and uh, intensity because there's, there's some necessary achievable goal that might have some immediacy or to advance a sales opportunity or to close a sales opportunity. So sometimes a sales manager has to take that energy maybe off the focus on the goal or the, or the sale to address the issue so that doesn't crowd it out, you know, crowd out the focus for that issue. Uh, if, you're con- so if, if you're constantly in panic mode, you're not going to perform. Right, right. So I, I love what you're saying. It's a three-dimensional aspect. And to be truly a successful sales leader is not only having a sense of self, values, belief. It's also looking forward and embodying and embracing what that other person is and also recognizing what kind of energy is present. I always say there's anabolic where there's this really positive growth type of energy that's happening in the interaction with others. And there can be that catabolic where it's destructive. And what you're saying is a true sales leader has their antennas up and they're uh, they're aware of what's going on within that exchange with each other. And I like that. That makes a ton of sense. You know, we've got about two minutes to, in going to break. And what I want to do is start to fine tune our conversation into your area of expertise. And in the introduction, I talked about the role and the work that you're doing in New York and in the financial sector. So what I want to ask you before we go to break is, is there really a distinction among leaders in financial services versus other industries? And, and you've got one minute, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are a couple, and here's and here's what I've seen. I think it would be tough to put a label on them, but some of the distinctions that I've seen, uh, you know, the, the, if you think about client acquisition, investors, let's just say high net worth investors, for example, you know, we all have interesting relationships with our cars, our money, and our pets, and they're not always rational. So I think some of the best sales leaders and sales leadership is really trying to understand investor and or customer behavior and also their propensity to change in what a likely approach could be. To the downside of that, I see a lot of emphasis on product or platform, what we want to sell versus what, what, what's the right linkage for how that particular client type wants to buy or what is their situation. So the better sales leaders are trying to build the issue fluency among their people so they can be at equal stature with their prospects. So the prospects can kind of see themselves in the relationship with that either private client advisor, advisor, that wealth manager, that financial advisor, that retirement specialist. I want to be able to see myself in that relationship because the status quo is very powerful today. 
if I don't need to change and there's no penalty to change and I can put this warm Snuggie blanket on and tomorrow's going to come and I'll be okay, then that's mm-hmm. pretty powerful for me. I don't have to, because oftentimes change comes with risk and comes with stress and maybe I just don't want that today. So I think those are some of the distinctions what sales leaders need to do is be able to provide that energy back to your point before, but also provide that wisdom into the psychology of what's happening with that prospect and what they're thinking and how to align with that. Mm. And you butt right up into the that whole dimension of change, which is scary. It's uncomfortable. And what you're saying also is sales leaders are recognizing that they're looking forward and they're harnessing their energy to to move themselves as well as their clients being in tune with what, with what they need. Okay, Bill, here's what we're going to do. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue this conversation about sales and really excelling as a leader in this whole dimension. So for all the listening audience out there, stay tuned. We'll be, be back here in a couple of minutes. In the meantime, go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. And we'll see you on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention, then Done Being Single with host Treva and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back there. I hope you enjoy taking a look at my website during the commercial break. Today, we're talking about transformational sales leadership. And joining me is Bill Walton. He's the founder of ProDirect LLC and chief sales officer of Bill Walton Sales Training, a greater New York-based authority on client acquisition. And Bill, when we ended the first segment, we were talking about how you would characterize sales leadership from general leadership and the distinction among leaders in financial services and other industries, and I, I want to continue this conversation because I, th- I believe there's some more here. There's more here for us to uh, uncover. So my first question to you, coming out of the gate here, is what does good, what does good look like as a sales leader? Yeah. So um, yeah, I have a very pointed reply to this question. I think that the best sales leaders have set what I call the, a managerial covenant with their people. And here's what I mean by that. And if our audience could visualize two boxes up on a whiteboard, one on the right, 
one on the left. Let's talk about the left box. The left book is the job, spelled J-O-B, not P-L-A-Y, J-O-B. The tasks, the competencies, the to-dos, the expectations, all that. Mm-hmm. All right? If you visualize your box on the, on the left, the box on the right is my job as a sales leader. I'm going to coach you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to expose you, not expose you, give you exposures. Um, I'm going to validate and affirm you, and I'm going to be invested in your development. What I have found, that this is a relationship, that, that this covenant has not gone on a style, because that, as a sales leader, that earns you the right to ask people to move in a different direction, to either pick it up a step, or to maybe think a little differently about their world, their client, their, their scenario. So that, that's, that's number one. The second thing is, is that sales leaders are constantly in touch with their people and realize what their people need. I'll give you an example. If everyone can kind of visualize a talent curve, this is the biggest misconception among sales leaders that I still see today. We always think that our high performers don't need any more time with us. I can just let them go. Mm. Well, the opposite couldn't be more true. Is the yeah, woefully wrong. Yeah, the, the, and you, you see this in general leadership, uh, Matt, you know, that the best people, forget about salespeople, the best people in general in, in, in business, hey, I, I want to know, uh, what's the strategy? I want to connect to the higher mind and the fiber of what we're doing. I, I'm seeing my role as important, and maybe I'm maybe that's a little bit more ego drive than everyone needs to know about, but I, I need to know what we're doing so I know where it fits. And in that case... You know, the salesperson needs more time with you than less. And it's not about, hey, let me complain and t- or talk to you about how great I am. It's what's happening. What are we doing about our distribution channel? If you had to think about the next five years in terms of social media that fits in our delivery of our or technology, delivery of our, our sale, our service, our widget, our platform, what are your thoughts on that? What are you seeing? What's management thinking about? So those are some of the things I'd like to see more of. And you had asked a question before, the distinction between financial services versus others. And I'd say I would like to see in the financial services, and I think you have to to categorize what that is, right? So you've got financial advisors who kind of work somewhat independently. They need need more support. I would like to see more uh, branch and complex managers work directly, more one-to-one. I think one-to-one, listening to a pitch on the phone, going to a meeting, really kind of diagramming that and and, and being able to course correct or celebrate what good looked like and recommend some follow-up. The ride-alongs, the work with, that time will never go out of style. And unfortunately, what's happening is a lot of these sales leaders are getting sucked into projects, important projects, data retrieval or, or information requests, and that's diluting the time that they have to spend with salespeople. So I'm hoping that answers the question, but those are some of the things that I'm seeing. What good looks like is to do those things I talked about and also fight the need to get involved in corporate projects or in this kind of doom loop of information requests. Mm, I, I, I really appreciate how you started your response to, and you called it managerial covenant and you said it, there's job and there's my job. And it triggered a thought in my mind as I was traveling around the country and I was interviewing these high performing presidents and chancellors at universities across the country. And the very first pillar, the very first 
I want to call it leadership covenant factor that I, I um, that emerged from my research was there's this concept of work hard, which I think links nicely to when you, you were saying job, because there's those tasks, there's the expectations, the competencies. But the other part of that is what I, what I found to, to term pull to serve others. And it sounds like that's what you're getting at, at that too, is really thinking about those who are with you, that you're training, that you're developing them. And it just becomes the spinning flywheel where things just keep getting better and greater and it's moving in that forward direction that you're talking about. That's what gets to that good place. Is it, is it, does, would you agree? I would. Uh, that's a great way of looking at it, for sure. I, I, and so, you know, the other part of what I'm so appreciating about our conversation here is for leaders to be great in this cell space and in the financial, there's this whole concept to be, you have to be transformational. And so, when you think about that, what do leaders, and this gets to the nitty gritty of things, is what do leaders in financial services, because that's where you, you're working, what do they need to do more of? And there's also the flip side, what do they need to do less of? That's a great question. Let, let me handle hand the, the, thanks for that, by the way. Let, let me handle the first one head on, you know, do more of. I, I think it's about giving folks a sense of where we are going. Uh, there is the, the biggest theme right now in financial services and wealth management is the role that technology is going to play. Mm-hmm. Enabling technology in terms of, hey, on our smartphone, you could basically, you know, trade bonds, manage your, manage your savings account, pick some stocks. I mean, that, that's all coming. That capability is coming because the ability to secure those transactions is improving. But I think with the, uh, the advent of artificial intelligence, sources tell me that in the next 18 months, you will be able to have the same interaction in ease and confidence in managing your financial transactions as you would to be order some tires online for your car. It's going to be uh. that facilitated, that seamless, that tailored. And, and that's, and that's a, a, a vision that I think, and this comes back to some of the competencies we're going to talk about, is sharing with your people the vision of kind of where things are going, but where we are now and what we can do right now to control the current reality. Mm-hmm. The best sales leaders that are transformational and have this high level of energy are able to say, focus on this now, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know this as a practicing consultant, right? Isn't, isn't yeah. it liberating when you know that, hey, the only thing I have to do right in this moment is this thing? Yes, yes. No matter how, how big or small it is, I know that my focus is to do this. Yeah. And that's liberating for people versus, you know, I've got to kind of think about it. And I think um, what, what the, some of these leaders need to do less of is stop with the requests, stop with the kind of point and shoot, do this, do that. And it's all coming out of their, their lack of time. And, and, and invest in, in, in people because there's true leverage in coaching. And there's really powerful data. The two data points I cling to, and, and I think you mentioned this in, in the top of the show, was uh, twenty uh, Wilson Learning came up with a factoid a few years ago that organizations that are investing in sales leadership are experience, are experiencing revenue gains as gross revenue gains as high as twenty nine percent. And the sales executive council, when when coaching is paired with learning, you're able to increase performance by nineteen percent. So the data is there for the mm-hmm. good things, you know, for this kind of transformational leadership to really focus and engage and use questioning and, and put more accountability on what should be next on the salesperson and you act as more of a thinking partner. 
Mm-hmm. And organizations and people who embrace coaching. And we all, I think, identify and term coaching differently. But at the very core of it is it's, it's absolutely about developing and helping others. And I, I'm loving that you're actually able to put a percentage or putting a, a number to it. Because I think, well, I know that speaks volumes. 29%, that's huge, Bill. That's huge. I mean, I mean, you can't you can't ignore that. There, a senior leader who I respect that I recently had a chance to speak to works for a very successful large technology company, and we met for coffee. And I said, "Yeah, it's interesting. You're talking about sales leadership. It's the pivot point in our organization. Mm-hmm. Think about that, right? Yeah. Because you are bringing the voice of the customer, voice of the competition, voice of the field. That's a lot of voices, right? There's a and then you, <laughs> there are you've a lot of Right. You've got to translate that, not only just translate it upward, you've got to disseminate that and translate that into some forward action that's going to get results. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of responsibility. The, the, the transformational sales leaders are doing that very, very well. And that's an excellent segue into, because we can't have this conversation about, you know, sales leadership and managing and coaching and engaging, thinking about the diversity of the generations right now that are in the workforce and the needs and motivations are all varying right now. I think some people would even argue, I had a guest on last week saying there are five to six generations now in the workforce. And so my question for for you, Bill, is what are your recommendations for sales leaders that are out there right now? How do they, how can they manage across all these multiple generations? Yeah, great, great question. And that is reality. Here's the first thing I would say to you and our audience as a sales leader, don't project any label onto any audience. I know a lot of folks in their mid-50s that still run around like they're an entrepreneurial 28-year-old, right? That's right, just yeah. in their DNA, who they are. They're, they're, they'll stop working when, uh, when the tennis balls arrive for the bottom of their walker, right? Mm-hmm. So, that's, <laughs> you know, so don't, don't, don't project too many labels on that. And don't... You know, if you, if you take the, the term millennial, for example, uh, and, and if you put 10 folks up against the wall and say, define that or give me a, a perception or a visual of that, you might get a couple different ones. Because a millennial is, is, a, is a time frame, but also can brand a type of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think it's mindful not to get hook, uh, hooked on or project any labels onto any population or any swath of your population. So that's number one. Number two, I think that diversity can be celebrated. And what I often advocate is, is the folks that have been around for a while, not so much in age, but tenure in the organization, involve them. Involve them in onboarding. If you've got any training going on, make them part of the design team. Mm-hmm. Celebrate them. Ask them their opinion. Now, you still have to hold them accountable to results. doesn't matter what your tenure or your age is. <laughs> the number still the number. Right. Um, it, right. So I think that's one. And anyone new, new to an organization, I think the focus for sales leaders, and this is hard because this is unfortunate, a lot of the folks coming off college campuses today do not have the same level of business acumen. Or someone who's joining your organization that might have three to four years of work experience, it's different today. Because many organizations aren't investing in foundational sales training or foundational leadership training for those levels of their organization. 
So you don't have that generally accepted knowledge of consultative selling. You don't have that generally accepted knowledge of, oh, here's, here's what's happening in retail grocery. Here's what's happening in, in software technology, right? There's not that shared perspective other than what you learn on the web and what have you. So I think what sales leaders need to do is based on that level of tenure and experience is you've got to fill those gaps. But what you can do is use the diversity in your organization so you don't have to do it alone to help you fill those gaps. Uh, so more than ever, what you're saying is everyone needs to be at the table. And, and I really like how you said in the very beginning, what's projecting the labels? Because like you said, we say millennial, all of us might have a different definition, different uh, interpretation. Let's step back. That's what the leader does is step back and says, you know what? We need to have all voices in this equation. And your closing point there is, well, the more senior person has obviously this history of what works, what doesn't because of experience. A newer person also has a skill set or also has a, a, a perspective, a perception, a dimension that they can bring in that is still quite valuable. So what you're saying, I, I really like what you're saying there. Bill, we're at a commercial break. And when we come back, I want to take a, a little bit deeper dive into we're going to, we'll talk about sales training and some other dimensions. So for the listening audience out there, stay tuned. We're coming up. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. See you then. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you desire to have the happiest, healthiest, most abundant life possible? Free from emotional hurt and pain and full of physical, spiritual, and emotional health and healing? Listen for Surviving to Thriving. Denitra Gary, your clinical social worker, takes you on a journey of knowing who you are from God's perspective as she gains insights from counselors, speakers, and educators to give you knowledge into who God created you to be. Tune in Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back. So today we're talking about the world of sales and the need for leaders to be transformational in this space. And my special guest is Bill Walton. He consults, he speaks, he's got his own training company, squarely focused in the sales training area. 
And we're just talking about how imperative it is for organizations to embrace what it means to, to lead in the sales space. During the commercial break, Bill and I were having a chat, and it came up that we have to address, and Bill, we, you and I talked about this, and he speaks so passionately about this, we have to address the fact that companies are not located in one isolated geographic location. Rather, as we all, you, you, I'm sure the listener can figure out where I'm going with this, everything's global. We talk about global, and then when you start mixing into this different cultures, different values, and different beliefs start to permeate. And so for Bill, huge question here. How do we? How do sales leaders navigate all of this? Well, I think the best sales leaders are staying in touch with with, with trends, and and when they have meetings with their people, they're bringing these trends, this this thought leadership, into their meetings. Uh, the best sales leaders, what I used to do on my teams, and I encourage sales leaders to do this, is that whether your team has four people or twelve people, everyone is is charged with being an expert in something, and I give them three options. You pick pick one of the three. And you're going to be the go-to person for artificial intelligence. You're going to be the go-to person for mobile technology. You're going to be the go-to person, what's happening with you know, kind of, you know, the, the demographics we talked about before, so that you're building that fluency on the team. So the team is kind of doing team. The team is educating team uh, when you're not around. So the team can kind of engage one another and create like a, a thinking community. It sounds so... Pollyannish and so basic, but you don't have any other choice. The business is moving too quickly, and like you mentioned before, you know these teams are remote; they're operating remotely. So this, these, these are threads that keep people connected. When you know this time apart, time together, you know pieces of the pie were were, were, were less together and more apart. So those are some of the ties that bind, if you will. I like what you're saying. There's it's to make people. Uh, and uh, be an expert in something, and that really goes to what we've talked about and other things. The I, I, I like that because what you're talking about, there's still the core competency of here's what you need to do, get really good at doing that, and then well, let's come together as a team so that people still feel there's there's equality there, if that's the right word, that there's everyone has something to contribute. That makes a lot of sense, and I, I appreciate what you're talking. Let's flip this a little bit because you've talked about this. I've said it in the introduction as well as through my different segues is that you do training in this area, and I think there's one side of – because I know yours is successful and you continually innovate. That's why you're successful in this space. The other side of that is why does sales training, what, what, what is it that makes sales training fail? Yeah, I think, the, let, me, let me talk about this in the power of three. Okay. I think um, where, where sales training can fall short is what your the expectation of what you your peop, what you want your people to do as a result of the training right so what is it you, do you want you want your people to be better at using say salesforce.com the tool mm-hmm. and you don't need to bring peop, two people to, you know people together for two days to train them on how to to deliver a tool do you want your people to articulate a different value proposition to customers they've ever met or talked to before at a higher level no less then there you got to engage the hearts and the minds and give people time to practice and teach and, and, and train. So that's number one. Second thing is, is that you've got to look at any type of sales training as three distinct pieces or portions of that. What you do prior, what you do in the classroom, and what you do after the classroom. And this steals from a little bit of the research from the corporate executive board from a few years ago in terms of time splits. It's typically 35-30-35. Here's what I mean by that. 
most training, you're getting less time than, than, than more in the classroom. So, for example, for the typical one day, you've got to make a lot happen in one day for people to walk out of that training, believe what you said, what they were told, and get them to change behavior. That's a lot to ask. But, mm-hmm. but when up front you can engage that audience in the creation of the training, ask them their point of view, show them the relevance to the job, the industry, and their customers, and how this is going to help them improve, then you're building buy-in. You've got to have buy-in before you even get to the classroom and credibility. Mm-hmm. So that's two. And the third thing, you've got to look at the back end. I think some really troubling data came out about five years ago is that the average, uh, the retention rate coming out of the average sales training class is about uh, 87% of sales training is forgotten after the first four weeks. That's a horrible grade in business, and I know I can't afford not to be asked back. I think you know many of us are in that same boat. So you've mm-hmm. got to reinforce that training. So what we do is we do 90 days of deal coaching on the back end of the training does three things. We're, we're connecting people back to the content, and we do this online as well as face-to-face. So we typically do three to six sessions over 90 days. We connect them back to our experience, a visceral experience, hopefully with a good facilitator. That's number one. Number two, throwing in some additional nuggets that they didn't get during the training, which is always good. You're always learning something new. But the third most important piece, which takes over this process, is we're, we're working on live opportunities. We're helping people advance opportunity or understanding why something might be stalled and something that's vexing to that, to, to that particular salesperson. Here's the beauty of that. Number one, it's a pull-through of all your content. You're using the sales training and the tools to address that opportunity. The beauty of it is, though, is that someone like me or one of our people, we stand aside and let group do group. So the retention comes from the group actually using the tenets, using the tools, using the competencies, all what they learned to coach one another. And folks like you and me can kind of step back and just watch this thing happen. Mm-hmm. And those are some ways that organizations kind of bulletproof themselves against sales training that either has been, it's either programmatic. People know when, when sales training is off the shelf. They can see it in the material. They look at the industry lexicon that's not there. They maybe have some facilitator that knows nothing about the nuances of their world, right? They just haven't walked in their sneakers long enough. So that, that's where I think sales training can fall down if you don't take care of those things. Mm. And it's imperative for you as an expert in this area to ingrain yourself in the company, the culture, the people, hear the voice of what leaders are looking forward to. And getting back to what you were saying is there's the now and where are we going to? What's the future? What's the vision? And that last piece, when you were talking about the 90 days, I think you said 90 days of coaching, uh, right? 90 days of reinforcement, all those different engagements and tying back to the tenants. That's really powerful. How do you get companies, by the way, I'm curious, how do you get companies to buy into the ongoing 90 days of re-engagement, if you will? The first thing you have to do is let them know is all the energy falls on us. All they have to do is here's a web link, click into it, do a little bit of prep, you know, send me a one-page form, you know, scratch a couple things on it, let me know you got an opportunity, do a, do a, screen, do a screen capture of it with your, with your smartphone and send it to me. We'll have a conversation okay. about it. It's all about making it easy. So that's one. The other thing is it's going to be regular and routine. We are doing this. <laughs> all right? Mm. So yeah. get that through your head. We're doing it, and we're going to do it regularly. There's a rhythm and, and a discipline and a, and, a, and, a, and a regularity of what we're going to do and, and the nature in which we do it. So that, that's how we're getting around that. 
make it easy. I think that's that's music to the leaders who are listening to the show <laughs> to their ears, right? Yeah, make it easy. That's that makes a lot of sense. And it really like you're talking about you, you're tying in technology, you're talking in the here and now, what they're doing, and and I also heard this the just the support of having a cohort of you know colleagues that are going through this experience with you. So my next question for you then is. What are steps sales leaders can take right now when they hang up from this call? What can they do right now to enable higher levels of performance in their organizations? I think the first thing, this is a very timely question because I have two former clients that have gone on to new organizations and they are evaluating their talent. Mm. And they don't have access to assessment tools. They have to do it through observation. Mm -hmm. And jokingly, I ask both of them, well, What's your process for doing that? How are you going to observe? Where are you going to catch someone? You know, how are you going to do that? So I think what sales leaders can do right now is, and and you've got to, you've got to work with your people. You've got to see them in action. You've got to partner up with them, be a thinking partner. So, so that's, so that's one. The second thing is we talked about earlier before, before the first break was getting people to commit to a number, get people commit to a new behavior, get them to commit visually and viscerally to something new because they see the connection to that. What are they willing to commit to? It's a different level of thinking on the part of the salesperson. Now I've got to really think, hey, what's possible? And I know my boss is going to ask me to stretch myself, so I'm going to throw a stretch component of that. So I think uh, that's important. And the third thing is they are creating um, uh, uh, greater uh, power and leverage on the team because they can't be everywhere. They're creating a rock-solid team, so team can do team when the sales leader's not around. Trust. What's, what are some of our operating principles? Um, you're building this, this knowledge base across these interesting areas that are relevant to customers, right? You're creating this exp- Everyone is an expert in something on the team, uh, and everyone knows where I stand and what the expectations are. They go back to that loyalty covenant, right? Mm-hmm. So what that creates is um, you, you, your exponential impact, on the team when you're not around. And that's what I think these, these, these transformational leaders are injecting that energy and that's driving performance in their organizations right now. And that, and that links so nicely to the research that's out there. You know, there's in, in the past, there was what was called there, you know, because leadership is a phenomenon. It just simply is. It's those things when we step back, we can observe, we see behaviors, we see actions, we see things that we can define. And up until, you know, I, I've talked about this in the past, but up until about the late 70s, early 80s, there was this traditional heroic formula, if you will, of what a leader is. You know, it's, oh, Bill, you're born with these traits. You've got them. That's what you're dealt with. That's what it is. And then the 80s is where post-heroic leadership started to take formation, and it, it, it turned into transformation. And to linking to your later point there, when you've got this, this you know, network, this relationships, these things that are where people are working together, transformation leadership is all about the interactions of all humans involved, where goals and motivations, there's a synchronicity there. That, would you agree? I mean, that makes sense with what you were just saying. I, I, I would, and, and one of the things I, I want to make sure that we, we, we make mention of today on our call are the four roles that these transformational sales leaders are adopting. Tell me those. Yes, Maybe. tell me them. Yeah, so let, let's talk about role number one, and that role number one, I, I think our listeners have been kind of getting, we haven't called it this yet, but I think they understand kind of where we're going with it, is an enabler of success, right? So you as a sales leader, you're acting in the role of mentor, 
You're using communication, negotiation, development skills to lead your people, and your people know you are an advocate for their success. That's something you can say, but that's something that the best sales leaders, their people can feel it. So an enabler of success, that's your mindset, your orientation, and what you do. That's your compass. Role number two is the technical expert. You talked about some of the distinctions of sales leaders and financial services and others. Some of these products and platforms have an element of complexity to them. So I think it's important to be that technical expert, pulling from your own in-depth knowledge, your experience, what you know, and your credentials, obviously, to help people when they have to have that technical conversation, you know, how to help them make tough decisions in a relationship or, or adapt to uh, any shift in the client demand or what's happening, you know, in, uh, in the marketplace and the competition. You think about financial services, online brokerage right now, that business is changing every two months. Right. You know, the E-Trades yeah. and the, the Merrill Edges of the world and Fidelities. What you could do online is amazing. But what the expectation now is what I want to be able to do online is also amazing. So it's, be, it's becoming, uh, you know, to, to make money, you have to be fluid and understand where your competition is. So that's two technical experts. We've got two more. Role number three is a business manager. You've got to operate your team like a business. You've got, to, you've got to use business management skills. You have to use time management, you know, budget for client entertainment. Think about the pipeline. Where, where are these businesses? How could we advance it, right? At the end of the day, we've got to sell stuff and keep the lights on and, and, and make a number. So that's the business manager. But the fourth one is one of my favorites. And this is the fourth role of these transformational energy sales leaders is being a visionary, pulling people out of tunnel vision to see the interrelation of things. Right, to get them, uh, I hate to use sports analogies, but the, the hockey one comes to mind, right? Helping people skate to where the puck is going to be. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and support some, some, some aspect of striving rather than keeping score on the team, right? And mm-hmm. if you're hiring right, your best people want to see that connection to their work and strategy. And strategy is a connection to the value for, for the clients that they're selling to. And then you're, you know, 60 to 7% of the other folks on your team who are aspire to be top performers, they just need a little bit of coaching and training to help them get to that, that, that next level. So the visionary piece is visionary about the marketplace, visionary about our products, visionary about your people and what development they're going to need and when. So you can true part of this, these four roles as being a really good talent manager on your team that drives energy and drives transformation. And that last piece, and I heard the excitement, you know, I'm all about energy, and I heard the energy in your voice about the visionary piece. <laughs> so, 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 Bill, what do we do? Okay, and if you don't have the ads, but what do you do when you have a client who, when you clearly see as a consultant and the outside person brought in, they don't have a vision, how do you get them to formulate that? And the reason why I ask this is, I was, you know, I'm an executive coach, and I'm working with a client right now, and my, I asked her, so what's your vision? And she, you know, she just came out with some generic things. And I said, but no, what's, what's your vision? And we had to end the, the coaching session and she's got some homework to do. I don't think vision's easy for a lot of people. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I, I think, I think why you and I make the big bucks is that, you know, we can see this from <laughs> afar and yeah. we've earned the right to be a little declarative with our clients and say, well, you don't have, here's what I see as your vision or a vision, or the vision. And sometimes you just need to put it out there and prime the conversation with, with what you think. And sometimes yeah. folks just, I call it DK, DK. We don't know what we don't know. If we don't know that, hey, maybe it's, maybe it's not a competency of mine or a strength of mine that I can't see the forest from the trees, I'm amazing mm-hmm. in execution, 
where I can't see the interrelation of things, then I think it's upon us. And I think, you know, given your skill set and credentials and hopefully mine, that we've earned the right to maybe insert that into the dialogue and build off of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that takes me back to as I was thinking when you said, here's what I see as your vision. What a powerful thing to get that external voice to say and to identify and define from their perception of what's going on. Perhaps there's a healthy exercise in here. Not sure how you exactly execute it. But you, if you go to people that you trust, colleagues or others, and say, all right, Bill, you see me operating. How would you define my, my vision? That might be a healthy thing to do. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's healthy, and one of the nice nice problems to have about a conversation like that is I would welcome someone to say, you know what, I don't see it that way. Ah, right. I, or I disagree. Then you have engagement. You have engagement. And this right. links nicely way back to the beginning of our conversation where you said it's so important and imperative that sales leaders, one of the first things they need to be able to do is storytelling. So if you don't have your story clear... You don't know what the storyline is from you know beginning, middle to end. How can you possibly think or hope that followers would embrace the story and move forward? I, I, I think I think that's so true. And uh, and sales, the good sales leaders see that as their role, um, and and are and are doing more of it. And 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 the data and, and the organizations that are embracing this, and and everyone knows them, right? The Googles. They're doing this in the, in, in the military, um, other uh, municipal institutions that are that are high performing now and, and serving their citizens well are using some of these principles. So it, there's there's a humanism to it that um, I think is important, and, and everyone wants to be inspired, right? We all think that we we you know the, the sales managers of old were like, well, I, I never had anyone inspire me. That was my job. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> we can't all inspire ourselves. <laughs> but we can inspire others, and, 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 and knowing your people and working with them, you kind of know what that is. And, and sometimes inspiration doesn't have to be this big explosion or the next new, new thing. It could be something very sublime um, uh, or, or minor that, that, that connects to someone in a, in, in a fine way. And the power of influence and energy, it all, it's all linked. It's, it's quite a, a web here, okay, a community of things that we need to be embracing as leaders and, and as, as leaders in the world of sales. And that's what I want to say to you is we, we have perceptions about sales. We have perceptions about leaders. And what you've done today is really reframed and help us think about what this means, the necessity to be a true transformational leader in in within ourselves and within organizations and to really help set ourselves apart from our peers. You know, when you think about organizations and in the financial services sector, how do, how do I elevate my, my company ahead of others? And so it's been a great conversation around that. And so I'm going to give you one minute, Bill, to step back, think about our conversation. What, what are the things, what are the takeaways that need to be implemented now for leaders that are listening to this call that they can implement now to change or really refocus and move forward? Yeah, I, I think the first thing is, is sales leaders must do this. They must help their people see the connection of their day-to-day efforts to a broader picture, a broader picture for their team, a broader picture for their organization, and the broader, or, the broader picture for their customer or their clients. I, I, I think that's number one. Number two, um, I've never seen a salesperson shush a sales leader away when attempting to try to mentor, try to coach, try to recommend, try to praise. 
So sales leaders are, we talked about those four roles, an enabler of success. If you start there, and that mm-hmm. can make up for a lot of shortcomings. Gosh, I, I don't see Bill enough, but every time we do, it's like this is the only thing that matters to him, and he always has a few pearls of wisdom for me and really believes in me. And when he makes declarative statements and tells me a few things that, hey, you got to do, they always seem to be the right things. Embrace so I, I that pull. I think that's powerful. Um, yeah, embrace and, that and, pull to really serve others. Serve others. And the energy piece is, um, hey, you have to have energy for your people. You have to bring uh, crisp thinking and, and vision and and a healthy balance in your own life and in your mind, your own wellness uh, mm-hmm. to, to bring to the role because people are drafting off your energy. All right. And what's the third one? Ten seconds, Bill. Third one is focus on your talent and focus on your messaging. The right people saying the right things in the marketplace are going to help you day in and day out. Powerful takeaways. Help people to really see what they're doing now and how it links to the broader picture. Mentor, coach, invest in people and have that focus on talent and, and messaging. Bill, I can't thank you enough for your insights today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Quickly, what's a way if our listening audience wants to get a hold of you and contact you? What, how, can, how can they do that? The, the easiest thing, and I think the greatest value to everybody, would, would come see us on our website, which is www.billwaltonsalestraining.com. We give away a lot of free stuff and go to our blog. That's really powerful. Uh, on Twitter, it's at WF Walton, and uh, you can find us also on LinkedIn. Uh, we're always posting great things. And if you sign up for uh, uh, our blog, you'll get a lot of the tidbits that we talked about today every week in your mailbox. So I think that's a great way for us to get in touch. And if anyone needs to reach me directly, we are at 917-439-3271. That's 917-439-3271. Fantastic. Thank you, Bill. And for everyone else out there listening, thank you for being part of this conversation. We'll see you next time. And until then, harness your positive energy and lead that transformation. We'll talk with you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Transformational Energy Leadership. Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.